Our good friends at Johnio welcome you to this episode. Now, the iconic Johnio clothing brand logo of the surfer and his longboard first caught my eye several years ago, but it's the signature Johnio style where West Coast meets East Coast prep that truly changed the game for me, and I've been wearing Johnio ever since. And now our listeners can use promo code RICHTAKE at checkout for 20% off your first order at johnny-o.com. That's 20% off the regular price. Price at johnny-o.com. Use the promo code RICHTAKE at checkout for 20% off your first order. Exploring the impact of sports. Welcome, Welcome. to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Having conversations and hearing personal stories from those who have been impacted. Built and inspired by the role of sports in their lives. Here's your host, Richmond Weaver. This is episode 134. Thanks for being an investor by investing your time to listen. New Zealand painter and author Peter T. McIntyre once said Confidence comes not from always being right but for not fearing to be wrong. And that's never a more true statement than for our guest, Zach Hirsch, who at the young age of 17 in 2019, founded his company, I Pick Wins, and has quickly become one of the most accurate sports handicapper and sports predictive analyst in the world. At an early age, Zach's love of sports would begin by having an inside look in the world of boxing as his dad would manage several boxers including former world heavyweight champion Shannon Briggs and it wouldn't take long though before his interest in sports stats combined with his photographic memory would showcase his prediction abilities and now he's known simply as Mystic Zach. Our conversation with Zach Hirsch. Mr. Zach, thank you so much. I know it was a little bit of a challenge getting going here, so I appreciate you being so patient with technology, but this is the world that we're in right now. And for you, though, what was that like as a handicapper that you are? I mean, did it really hit home to you that, uh-oh, this is going to be something much bigger because sports is stopping? Yeah, the second Rudy Gobert got the coronavirus and then the NBA took very quick action and canceled the season, I was like, oh, my God, this is real. But I still kind of expected it to be back in, like, May, you know? I know. We all did. <laughs> <laughs> God, I keep on underestimating it. Well, there's definitely going to be a lot of people just wanting some type of live sporting event. And we're all right now, it seems to be enamored just by the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance. Now, from your perspective, though, you're too young to really understand the generation of Michael Jordan fans. So have you been watching The Last Dance? Yes, I've been watching with my dad. So your dad obviously grew up in that type of era and understands the importance of Michael Jordan. What has been his talking points to you about how great Michael Jordan was, if he was a believer that Michael Jordan is the GOAT? So uh, my dad's always told me my whole life that Michael Jordan's the greatest of all time. And uh, when I told him about this documentary, he was like, Zach, I, I lived through it. Why don't I need to watch a documentary about it? <laughs> and uh, they, t- they went to Michael Jordan's shot and the freshman year in North Carolina. My dad remembered it. He watched all his years in North Carolina, all his years with the Bulls, uh, his Wizards didn't, whatever. So my dad lived through all of it. 
and I uh, got to see the, the great uh, series and conference he had with the Bad Boy Pistons and Larry Bird Celtics. And, uh, yeah, so he lived through it. He's very aware of it. He got to see it live, unlike me, who saw it from a different lens. Now, where do you stand then? If your dad's telling you that Michael Jordan's the GOAT, you never really got to see him, so it's tough to be able to compare. But with today's NBA, where do you fall in terms of who would be considered the greatest in your generation? Um, to me, Michael Jordan has the greatest basketball legacy of all time. 6-0 uh, and in the finals. He's never turned in a bad finals performance. The guy is the epitome of consistency when it gets to the big stage. He's never been to a Game 7. And he's never let a player on his team or the other team come anywhere near his level of play. I think uh, when the going got tough for Jordan and he was in the uh, clutchest moments, he rose to the occasion and put up incredible numbers. I mean, 35 points a game in the finals. The guy uh, had ridiculous defense as well. He's the most first-team all-offensive selections in the history of the NBA. And as far as a player's legacy goes, I think Michael Jordan's the clear-cut number one. It's easy for me to say that as well because I, I live through it and. I was a huge Michael Jordan fan, and at one point I can remember stats like that, but I've got to ask, when did it become something for you that you recognized that you had this ability to remember all of these type of stats? I mean, you just I mean, laid out all of these different stats for Michael Jordan and the accomplishments that he's done. A lot of people don't have that ability just to recall information like that. So when did it start really hitting you that, Oh, I'm just, or was there a point that you even realized that? Or was there just normal growing up for you that you could recall all of these type of stats? Uh, I've always had a very good recall. I have a photographic sports memory, I like to say. And that anything I see related to something that I'm passionate about and I really like feel something for and I really can have a strong emotion towards it and it really uh, interests me in learning it and I have a strong passion for it. It's just something that I can always remember and recall at any moment. When I was younger, I, uh, I made the transition from kids shows to sports center. And every morning I would watch hours of sports center and uh, remember everything they said. And then I would go on ESPN.com on my laptop. And I would look up every power ranking for every major sport. I would look up pound, uh, boxing pound for pound rankings. I would look up the WWE roster and then I would play Madden and I would go through all the rosters. I would try to remember every single player I possibly could. I would go look up every major stat in the NFL, the NBA, stuff like that, and really just try to remember and uh, get involved as much as I can. Now, were you at a point where you were impressing people? Were people testing you? And what was that like? Uh, it's a little bit awkward. My grandma used to, like, if we had, like, a party at her house or anything like that, she would uh, go to her friends and say, Zach, do this, do this, do that. <laughs> it's, name as many players as you can. Who won the Super Bowl two years ago? Things like that. And uh, I take that roll with it. But that's happened plenty of times. Does that still happen today? Do you still get challenged? Uh, not as much. Uh, if someone's having a debate at school, I like to lay low. But uh, this year, I actually started my first debate club. I had never been in debate club before. And uh, my school started its own club. And the first day of debate class, we watched a mock debate about Reggie Bush versus Chris Paul, who was a better athlete. It was an old video. This was when they were each in New Orleans, stuff like that. And uh, someone in my in the class said, I want to debate about that. I said, okay. I said, I'll debate you. <laughs> and uh, they said, oh, which player are you going to take? I said, pick one. 
So he goes, oh, Reggie Bush is a way better athlete than Chris Paul. I go, okay. So he goes, you go first. And I went and I named uh, all of Chris Paul's uh, accolades. They talked about uh, Reggie Bush's injuries and how he, he didn't significantly accomplish too much in the pros. Now Chris Paul was a much better player, athlete, things like that. And uh, I got off, and no one could believe it. Everyone was clapping, whatever. And he never, he never wanted to debate. He never came up to the stage. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and he actually sh- left the debate club shortly after that. Oh well, that's not good that you're running people out of the debate club. You need people in there, man. <laughs> <laughs> but he learned not to do a sports debate with me. Of course not. Yes, I don't think anybody wants to get into a sports debate with somebody who has a photographic memory. Now, you mentioned, though, that it's a photographic memory, especially in sports, because that's what you're passionate about. When did that passion for sports develop? Is that something that has always been part of your life, sports, that is? Since I can remember, uh, my dad, growing up, my dad was in the boxing business, and he managed Shannon Briggs, the heavyweight champion of the world, Jamil McCline, guys like that. So I grew up in the boxing gym, and uh, we would always watch uh, boxing together, UFC events together. WWE since I was very young and I was also playing football and basketball from the time I was four years old I it was in my first like football league at about five and uh when, when I was playing football that that really helped me develop my passion for it and same with basketball I've always grown up playing football and basketball at school playing in different recreational leagues and I still play at school to this day and then being able to take your ability of this photographic memory and taking you know what you've been around with boxing with your dad when did it start gaining, I guess, I don't know if it's passion is the right word, but at least exploring picking games and trying to, you know, bet and things of that nature. When did that start taking shape for you? So there's two different points, I'll say. One was when I was younger, very young, about six or seven years old, me and my family, me, my dad, my mom, my brother started doing football picks. And my mom, we would look it up online, and my mom would write it all down on her sheet because she's the only one who has enough handwriting to read. And uh, we would each mark which team we were picking. And uh, but I was very young, and obviously my brother was my brother's nine years older than me, so my brother's about sixteen. I'm about seven, and my dad's a lifelong football fan. And I'll be honest, the first season, maybe I won seven weeks, my dad won seven weeks, my brother won two weeks. So I was on par picking with my dad, who had been watching since he was very young, at a very young age. And I worked on that. I worked on picking. And at the same time, I was also playing fantasy football and playing a lot of Madden, things like that. And then later on, my dad goes to a smoothie place. And he would pick up his shakes and whatever. And they said, hey, would you be interested in doing a football pool? Uh, Each of us in this plaza chip in. We each chip in $10. And the winner, we get, we get about 50 participants, and the winner gets out $500. So my dad says, okay. He fills out a sheet. His friend fills out a sheet, and he brings one home for me. So I, I look at it meticulously. I look at each matchup, and I do my picks and whatever. And uh, my dad turns it in, and I forget about it because, you know, it was in the moment, whatever. And my dad goes back to you smoothie three weeks later, and the guy looks at him. He says, are you Zach? He goes, no, my name's not Zach. And he goes, do you know someone named Zach? He goes, yeah, my son's same Zach. He goes, oh, he won the football pool. He goes, really? He goes, yeah, he's the first person to not get a single pick wrong. Wow. And uh, they gave my dad his money, and he brought it home to me, and I had an <laughs> undefeated week. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great way to start. The problem is, though, I mean, that's a hard bar to set, <laughs> being undefeated. That's pretty hard to do consistently. The NFL is definitely a league of parity. 
Yeah. And how old were you when that happened? I'm going to say about 13 years old. 13 years old. I mean, that's a great, and how much money was it? It was about, it was like $500. $500. Hey, that's no joke at 13 years old. I mean, that's no joke right now. I'm, I'm about to be 49 and I'll take $500. I promise you. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty crazy. When, when I, when I originally submitted, I didn't expect much, obviously. And uh, I completely forgot about it. I blanked out. And every week I make picks subconsciously, of course, like everyone does. But it's not like I go back and I look back and I check which teams I picked, which teams won, which teams lost, you know? So did that set the tone in terms of, wow, okay, well, then I've got to keep doing this each week then. Not only did you win, but did you like it? And so was that kind of the motivating thing that, all right, I'm going to keep trying to do this? You would think so. But I just kind of continued on. I mean, every... Every time boxing comes on before me, my dad always talk about it, and I always make a prediction with different people in MMA. and combat sports, you kind of have to make a prediction when you're with people. It's not like a football game where people just enjoy it, and uh, you obviously have a fan bias when you're watching a football game and stuff like that. And uh, I didn't I was on camera talking or anything, um, but I was always told that I have a tremendous talent for it, and I always planned on going to college for sports journalism or sports management. So I didn't really expect to get a head start in high school. But now that I did, I'm very happy I did. But it's also, I mean, from what you've been able to do, there's an aspect that you're building a business as well. So have you thought about, you're not just picking games. I mean, you're, to a certain degree, you're an entrepreneur building this business. I pick wins. Have you even had time at your age to even reflect in terms of what you're doing? Are you developing a game plan? I mean, just... Or is you just kind of letting it flow where it goes right now? I, I definitely had an established plan. I, I worked with my dad and some people at his company. And uh, how Ipic Wins actually originally started was I obviously had this talent and uh, everyone around me knew it. It wasn't like a secret that I was holding in or anything. And uh, I'll go a few years back, actually. So when I was a freshman in my high school, I started to do my own Facebook Live show where I would talk about sports and different current events and I would throw some pics in there and whatever. And, uh, and at the time, I thought I was the best. I thought I was as good as anyone on TV or anything. <laughs> Looking back on it now, I definitely was not anywhere near where I thought I was as far as talking about it goes. And then a few years went by, and the Facebook Live show stopped. And uh, we had a, I had a parent meeting, me and my dad with my teachers. And they said, Zach, for your summer project, we think you should start your own business. You should start your own sports, sports business some kind of way. Start your own project. Get your name out there, get your feet wet. That way you, you have something established before going to college and you're ready. So from there, my dad actually already had the URL, ipickwins.com. I've never told that story before, but my dad is in the business of buying different URLs and stuff. And he had already thought to have the URL, ipickwins somehow. And we had ipickwins.com. I went through those with my dad. I said, dad, that's perfect. Let's do it. And I built the website and we did it together. And uh, I did my first prediction video. And since then, uh, we've been able to take off on Instagram, especially. Where did the name Mystic Zach come from, though? Uh, that's a funny story, too. Uh, that drives from Conor McGregor. When he makes his predictions at press conferences, he calls himself Mystic Mac. And uh, I thought to myself, if he can make such a bold proclamation about how he's an affair and about where he's risking his physical health, then I can make my own prediction where I'm not putting anything on the line except <laughs> my spirit. You know, there's no, there's no real repercussions when I'm making my picks. And I am half Irish, so that helps too. So uh, Mystic Mac, I'm Mystic Zach. I predict the sports. 
uh, works out perfect. I like to play in there. And how do you go about your day in terms of when there's sporting events going on and you're making predictions? What are you going off of from an analytical standpoint? Are you analyzing data or is there some of it? It's just a gut feel. And that's what you've been able to utilize over the years. I'm constantly analyzing uh, data, statistics, things like that. Um, I'm not going to say it's a purely driven analytics uh, point. That would be a lie, I believe. But there's definitely some good in there. There has to be. There are things that you've seen in the past, like uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots. Obviously, even if they were going to go 9-7, limp into the playoffs two years ago, I would say, well, they have a very good shot at the Super Bowl, things like that. And uh, so I'd say it's a mix, but it's... I'm definitely very analytical in my point of view. But I will tell you the preparation for how my weeks go hasn't changed at all since I picked when started. I've always analyzed the sets. I've always analyzed the data. I've always mentally picked the games. It's just now that I'm doing it in a public format so the world can see it. Is there a certain sport that's easier to pick? Uh, I would have not had an answer prior to I pick wins. But now that it's all out there and it's in proof, there's evidence of everything. My easiest sport to pick was college football. I was able to go 21-0 on the college football season and uh, pick the national championship, the, the college football playoff game, uh, the SEC championship, picked a lot of tough-ranked games. And I just had a really successful college football season. I was really able to see it ahead of time that LSU was going to win it all. Well, that doesn't make me feel too good because I'm a Clemson grad. So for you picking LSU <laughs> was not in the best interest of me, but... You were right, and at that particular day, LSU was obviously the better team. It was a, a buzzsaw that Clemson ran into, and it was just one of those perfect seasons for LSU. Exactly. You hit it on the head. It was a perfect season. It was a, an unmovable force. I think a lot of people were using their pass biases with LSU teams. They're not used to them having an explosive passing attack like that. And I think you had to sit down and look at that offense and say, how can you possibly stop that? When Joe Burrow isn't missing a single pass, you have Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Clyde, Clyde Edwards, Elaire, Thaddeus Moss, just everything was clicking all cylinders. Joe Brady was dialing up perfect play calls, and Joe Burrow was just incredible the entire season. To have 60 total passing touchdowns, that's insane. It really is, no, and, and that's why it, it's, it's one of those things that I, I keep going back to, you know, the what ifs. What if this would have happened? What if that would have happened? Does that happen with you in terms of also, do you analyze picks that you get wrong in in, in terms of trying to improve yourself and, you know, for the next set of picks, how do you go about that? Uh, I harp on my losses a lot. I, I, it's one of the worst feelings in the world to me to make a pick <laughs> and not have it go my way. And yeah, I always see what went wrong. What didn't I expect? What wasn't I accounting for in this particular matchup? What worked for that particular team or that particular fighter? And, uh, yeah, I definitely go back. I look at the losses more than the wins. And I try to keep my head up, just relax. There's, it's a league of parity. Sports are a thing that a lot of people won't predict because there's so many different crazy things. There's so many great upset stories, so many classic games where a team that was a huge underdog just came through and prevailed. What are some of the ones that you know, we see Scott Van Pelt you know, with the bad beats uh, outlining some of those games that right at the last minute it changes? What are some that have happened to you both on the positive and the negative side for your picks? On the positive side, the Super Bowl. I had the Chiefs, and they were down 10 in the third quarter. But in my video, I did say uh, Mahomes would uh, be able to register a two-minute 
warning type of drive, and I expect them to be down, but not by 10. And Patrick Holmes' performance was really scaring me through the first three quarters. Uh, that was actually his worst performance in, like, many weeks, which a lot of people don't realize that weren't watching the Chiefs week to week. And uh, a bad beat was in, uh, this is an example of how boxing picks are very risky. I picked Badu Jack, a light heavyweight, over a guy named uh, Gene Pascal, who was a very tough light, light heavyweight. And uh, Pascal was a title holder. Badu Jack hadn't fought in a while. But I just thought Badu Jack had, had a big advantage. And I, I picked Badu Jack, and he was able to knock down Pascal and really dominate the latter rounds. And I thought he had a clear edge. I mean, just a very clear, maybe by four points. And I thought maybe they'll make it by one point because Pascal was really strong in the early going. But they actually gave Pascal the fight, even with the late knockdown. I couldn't believe it. I was, it really upset me. But that's the <laughs> risk you have to take in the sport of boxing. You mentioned that you know it's harder on you for the picks that you get wrong. How is it, though, having to deal with that you're putting all of this out there in, in the public eye? And obviously, you're already frustrated if you do get a pick wrong. But when it is wrong... It, has there been backlash that you have to deal with, you know, on a social media aspect or just, you know, people bombarding you with like, who's this kid thinking that he can make these picks? Look, he's wrong. How have you had to deal with that? More than you can imagine. Uh, you don't really get credit for your victories, but you definitely get your uh, fair share of black backlash for your losses. But it comes with the gig. And uh, one thing I didn't expect was it does make my Sundays different. It does make my Saturdays more interesting. When I and I'm that invested in a pick, it makes me uh, sit on my chair a little bit more, get a little more anxious about it. So that's probably the only drawback in the the sport. But uh, I don't feel too bad because I know I'm putting my best foot forward, and I know I'm the best in the world. And that uh, more times than not, I'm going to get the pick right for the people. Yeah, but so do you pay attention to any of that, or do you just not even worry about it? I don't worry about it at all, and I think. Uh, having thick skin is just, I can attribute that to being on the internet for a long time. I've seen the hate. I've seen the trolls. I'm used to it. And, uh, but if I was new to the internet and I was younger, maybe I started doing the IPIC wins at 13 years old. I would definitely let the comments get to me. I and mean, people see, say really outlandish things that, you know, try and attempt to hurt your feelings. Yeah. Where did that come from though, in terms of even having the confidence to put yourself out there? Because I know there's a lot of adults that wouldn't even put themselves out there, not even from picking games, but I'm talking about just even putting themselves out there on social media or on Facebook, whatever it is. Where did that confidence come for you? Because you've got it, and it sounds like you've had it at an early age. So not necessarily just from experience that you've done it quite a while, but where does that confidence come from to allow you to go ahead and put yourself out there from the very beginning? I don't know. I, I, uh, I've never had a fear of public speaking or speaking on camera. I've always been able to do it without any issue at all. I've always been able to speak in front of a crowd of people, things like that. Uh, I, I host my school's graduation. I do things in public. I've just never had a fear of uh, being on camera or speaking in public. It just always come very natural to me, which I'm lucky that I'm able to pair my ability to predict the sport, look at the analytics, and my photographic memory along with my confidence to speak in front of people. Uh, agreed 100%. Now, are you a class clown? Uh, definitely. If I can get 
uh, the right teacher that's willing to go along with my jokes, uh, I'm definitely <laughs> making a lot of jokes. <laughs> now, what about your brother? He's older. Were you guys, I mean, no, that's a big age gap, but were you guys relatively close, competitive? How did he impact your growing up? Uh, my brother, it's very funny. He is a very different personality than me. He's much less extroverted than I am. He's more of a uh, shy person, but he's ex extremely smart, and he was always more studious than me. He's always paid more attention to the academic side than me. He, uh, he went to UCF and got his master's degree, and I don't think he ever got a B or anything like that. And he's always been a very intelligent. He's in computer coding, and uh, he was a very good athlete, actually much more of a natural athlete than me. I have, my dad's always told me that, too. He was a uh, junior Olympian racquetball player. He was a, a basketball player, a football player. He boxed. So uh, sports came very natural to him. And we, we always played sports together. But with the age gap, obviously, when I was younger, he could beat me at whatever he wanted to. But we've always been uh, competitive in video games, too. Growing up, we've always played video games against each other, different kinds, shooters, multiple player, sports games, things like that. But I would say less competitive than a lot of my friends and their siblings who are closer in age. How do you think being around the boxing world at a young age, how do you think that shaped you, seeing the, what it's like behind the scenes? It's funny. I think the thing that it's most affected is my vocabulary. A lot of times I say things that an older boxing-type trainer would say. When I was very young, I would see uh, like a player on the screen, they would drop a ball, and i go, how did you drop that, you bum? <laughs> and my grandma just couldn't believe I said that. I was like, where'd you get that from? I'm like, the gym. That's right. And uh, things like that. And uh, it's in a boxing gym, people are tough. People are rugged. They don't care about your feelings too much. And especially the trainers that I was around, and I'm still around to this day, they're very in your face. They're very uh, out there. And if you can't, uh, if you can't handle some uh, harsh criticism and some harsh words, then uh, the boxing world probably isn't meant for you. And you never wanted to get in the ring and box yourself? I started. So I started a few months ago. I've been training very hard, and uh, I've been sparring at Shannon Briggs' house lately. All right, so when are we expecting you to make your debut then? Uh, I've got to get the right fight. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to find a social influencer. Uh, I was just talking about this yesterday. I think I can drop down to 135. <laughs> I'm very thin. I've got to gain some muscle, though. And uh, yeah, and just I'm looking to train and maybe do a social influencer fight in the future. And what does your mom think about all of this in terms of IPIC wins and what you're doing? How does she view everything? Uh, she's very proud of me. Obviously, on the sports side of things, like when I make a prediction and we're watching it, she's not like totally aware of what's going on. It's not like my dad, who uh, is kind of as emotionally invested as I am when I make my picks. And uh Although she's less involved in the sports part of it, she's, as far as uh, me being her son aspect, she's very happy whenever she sees a new video and things like that. And uh, she really enjoys seeing me be able to flourish and blossom in a new environment. And does your photo photographic memory, has it carried over to academics? Or is it just that you don't have the passion for academics, <laughs> so you don't have the same type of ability? Uh, it's a little bit of both. So uh, I had a situation earlier in my life where it was kind of like fitting a square peg in a round hole. I'm someone who, when I'm in class, I'm able to give it my all. And for that six-hour period, I'm paying very close attention. And uh, But I do, along with the photographic memory, I do have ADD. 
So I'm a, I'm a little bit all over the place. I'm a little bit off the walls and it's very hard for me to concentrate. So I use all of my energy to really concentrate during the school day, which isn't the easiest for me to do, but I retain all the information. And then I would go home and they would assign me a lot of different homework and stuff. And I just, I didn't do it. And uh, it was just impossible for me to do it. I just, my brain just didn't have the power to do that. I had already used it all to concentrate during school. And at my current school, it's not like that. I'm able to do my work in school and not do too much out of school. If I don't work in school, though, I do have work out of school. But uh, I'm able to deal with that and uh, work as hard as I possibly can in the classroom. And I, I recently got an academic scholarship to a college at Lynn University. I'm excited to be doing that. And I haven't, uh, I've had a good GPA and I haven't really had a B since I started high school. So I'm very fortunate. So for college, are you prepared for college then? Have you made your decision? Is that where you're going, where you got the scholarship? Yeah. Uh, University is close to my home. That way I can stay and help take care of my my mom, my grandparents. I'm I'm in close range. And uh, if anyone needs me, I can I can get there. Do you have a tight knit family? Uh, Very. Uh, Me, my mom, my dad, uh, my brother and uh, three dogs. And I'm very close to my two grandparents. They've been along with me on the IPIC win journey. They're big sports fans. They're huge Miami Hurricanes fans. They see all my videos. I always send them new stuff. I'm always selling them about new projects I'm working on. And uh, my grandpa always tells me how proud he is of me and my grandma as well. That's great that you have grandparents still involved. I think that's very special. I was very close to my grandmother. Uh, so that does mean a lot. I fully understand that. From a perspective then, favorite teams growing up, where did you land? College versus pro teams? Who were some of your favorite teams? Uh, my, my, my NFL team is the Dallas Cowboys. There we go. So I'm a little right. kid. Me and my yes. dad fly out to a game in Dallas every year. and I, I haven't missed the Cowboys game since I was about five years old. And I, I, can, uh, I can name the whole 53-man roster and everything like that. And I'm still a big Cowboys fan, but I don't let that affect my bias on my picks. And as far as college goes, I'm Miami Hurricanes. Both of my grandparents went to University of Miami, and uh, my grandma's had season tickets in the past, so we've always gone to those games and stuff. And although I haven't seen the glory days of either team, I'm waiting. And as far as basketball, <laughs> the Miami Heat, I've always gone to Heat games. And when LeBron was here, I was fortunate enough to be able to go to some playoff games with my, my older brother, things like that. And, uh, yeah, as far as boxing goes, I'm a huge Floyd Mayweather fan. MMA, I'm a huge Conor McGregor fan, so I definitely have my favorites, but I try not to let that affect my picks. How do you not let that affect you, though? Because there's got to be some part of bias that plays into it. Are you just able to block that out? With this, I'm able to block it out. And from when I am talking from my favorite team's perspective, I have to be more analytical. I have to go less with my gut because I know that preconceived bias can affect me. And that's another reason why I, I don't gamble. I don't bet on these games really and that's because i don't want to have uh the money be a factor i don't want to have my head in any other space than it currently is obviously my current uh mind space is very good for picking games and the fact that i don't let things like that get in the way is uh very critical to my uh, picking in my opinion and if i start betting on games what if that messes up the mystic formula or something like that and i i let that affect my picks and my predictions so i, I don't let that happen and i do my absolute best. And I, I think I have just completely blocked out the bias when I'm picking my favorite teams. How often, though, are you influenced by what other people are doing? Or if you see certain, I guess, you know, bets going to one side versus the other or, you know, one team versus the other, 
Does that sway you at all also? I don't really check the gambling lines. Uh, as far as I pick wins go since that started, I just don't. I don't I don't let the I don't let the public play a factor into my picks. Obviously things like injuries play a huge effect in, in my role. And uh, I've actually been in a unique situation as far as boxing goes to be able to see the the boxer train up until the fight. So that's been a unique thing in uh, picking and being able to give reliable information up into the fights. So things like that, uh, I let affect my picks, but not the betting lines or the public money. Now, right now, obviously, no sporting events really going on. So during this time when there hasn't been really games going on, what's been a positive thing for you during this so-called downtime that we haven't had live sports? Uh, I've been getting in the, the best shape possible. I've been boxing a lot. So I've been training every day, doing my uh, everything I possibly can. I've been running. I've been able to improve a tremendous amount in that time. Yeah, it's got to be hot down in Florida to be running right now. I couldn't do it. <laughs> it's hot. But uh, yes. I don't know if it's from being from Florida, but the sun has really never affected me. I'm able to train, play football, play basketball in the sun. And uh, on those hot two-a-day practices in the summer, those are really hard with the helmet on and everything. But since then, as far as the boxing goes, and I can play basketball for hours out in the sun, but it's something that not a lot of people share that I play with. Now, what if somebody challenged you to get, if challenges you to get in the octagon versus the boxing ring? Would you do it? Uh, I have no experience in <laughs> jiu-jitsu or wrestling or anything like that. So if they, they did, it'd be a very bad matchup for me. But uh, <laughs> if someone is, uh, has similar experience, to me, I'll train for the octagon. And you, you mentioned this photographic memory and Dallas Cowboys are your team. So, all right, so I'm going to put you to the test. You said you can name the 53-man roster. Can you name it? Yes. Do you want me to? Yes. So, quarterback, we've got Dak Prescott, and we recently signed Andy Dalton. We've also got Clayton Thornton. He was on the practice squad last year. At running back, we have Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard at fullback. We have Hamiz Alawali at wide receiver. We have Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup. Cedric Wilson, Noah Brown, Jalen Guyton, John Vea Johnson. At tight end, we have Blake Jarwin, Blake Bell, Dalton Schultz. At left tackle, we have Tyron Smith. At right tackle, we have Lyle Collins. At left guard, we have Connor Williams, Connor McGovern. At center, we have Joe Looney and Tyler Biotish. At center, at right guard, we have Zach Martin. We've also got Brandon Knight. Uh, Jake Campos competing for spots. We recently signed Cam Irving to a contract. On the D-line, we have Demarcus Lawrence, Tyrone Crawford. Antoine Woods, Tristan Hill, Neville Gallimore, who we recently signed, Don Terry Poe, Gerald McCoy, uh, Randy Gregory, Alden Smith, Dorrance Armstrong, Jalen Jelks, Joe Jackson. At linebacker, we have Sean Lee, Leighton Vander Esch, Jalen Smith. Uh, at safety, we have Xavier Woods, uh, recently signed Haha Clinton Dix, uh, Darian Thompson, Donovan Wilson. At cornerback, we have Jordan Lewis, Chadobia Wuzier. Reggie Robinson, Trevon Diggs, and we recently signed Maurice Kennedy and Daryl Worley. And the kicker is uh, Greg Zerloin, uh, the punter is Chris Jones, and the long snapper is L.P. Latiger. Wow. There's no way I could remember that type of details. But now I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, so hey, we're, we've got that in common. What's your prediction, though? Can the Cowboys get to some type of I guess, you know, return to the glory that you had mentioned, so to speak, instead of just being this mediocre team right now. 
I think that they made a huge, huge leap in that direction when they fired Jason Garrett and hired Mike McCarthy. I think that was a critical move that was needed to be made for a while now. Jason Garrett is the epitome of mediocrity. He's a guy who also doesn't let the analytics speak. He went to Princeton, but his on-field football decisions aren't very smart. You would think a guy who was able to go to Ivy League school would play in a very smart, meticulous way. And unlike Mike McCarthy, he didn't really have an intellect-driven approach. Mike McCarthy is much less conservative than him. He really throws on first down. He does things from an analytics perspective that just makes sense. And from a roster-building perspective, I think we've taken great leaps that just makes more sense. The addition of Andy Dalton as a backup quarterback, listen, when you're a contender, your quarterback can get hurt at any moment, no matter how tough they are. I think Dak Prescott's one of the absolute toughest players in the NFL. He's been the picture of durability since his time started in the NFL, but anyone can get hurt. So the addition of Andy Dalton for only $3 million guaranteed was a great addition that would have never happened under the Jason Garrett umbrella. I think that was a huge addition, and I think this team is as much talent as anybody. And I think the drafting of C.D. Lamb will really help this offense. He's a great, great player. Yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm optimistically hopeful for this upcoming season. I think there's a lot of pieces. I, I say that quite a bit, though, over the years. I hope you're right that the Cowboys can return to some type of dominance uh, in the NFL. We'll, we'll see what happens. As we're wrapping things up, Zach, just from your perspective, you're still, you've got a lot of life to live but you've had some unique experiences and obviously how they've been intertwined into the sports landscape. You know, so from your perspective, seeing you know, just the attention from IPIC wins that there's a lot of people that, I mean, they gravitate towards sports. So why do you think sports is woven into the fabric of our society? I think the biggest uh, factor in that is it allows people to escape from reality. You have a tough day at work and you have a tough day at school. When I would turn the when I would turn a sports on, sports center on, when I would turn on a uh, basketball game, things like that during the week especially, it would make me feel so much better. You can just relax. And Sunday, that's a lazy day. Uh, the saying is God took the seventh day off and I think for NFL fans around around America, that's how they treat Sundays. It's just a day to relax on the couch and watch your favorite team play. It helps you escape from reality. Forget about uh, the outside things going in your world and just enjoy your favorite team, favorite players play. And I think if you don't have a passion for sports, you're not a sports fan. You don't understand the passion that comes from rooting for a team. You don't understand how that feels, especially when your favorite team is able to win and have a great game and have its ups and downs. You don't understand the emotional depth that uh, certain teams put you through, unless you're a New England Patriots fan. In that case, you're always just happy. <laughs> That's right. And then so from your perspective, how has it shaped your life? I don't know where I would be without sports. I'd imagine I'd pick up another passion and be able to delve into it and speak about it and uh, really harness myself and really dedicate my time to. But uh, I haven't been able to find that yet. I'm a big fan of rap music, things like that, but not anywhere near sports. Well, we'll have to have you rap sometime then. I mean, you, you almost were rapping the 53-man roster of the Dallas Cowboys, so maybe that's your next venture <laughs> that you can turn into a rapper as well. Maybe there needs to be a Miss Exact song. I don't know. Yes, exactly. Yes, you need to work on that. That's for certain. Another thing that I really focus on is words of wisdom. Has there been any type of phrases or mottos or quotes that has meant a lot to you? Yes, I saw your text, and that's why I wore this shirt. Let's go, champ. Let's go, champ. This is the motto started by uh, Shannon Briggs, and uh, he's been uh, parading it and uh, chanting it everywhere he goes, everywhere at people. 
promoting positivity and it's uh, been able to catch on wildfire. Now, when you check social media and you go to any boxing gym, you're going to hear Let's Go Champ. And obviously, I mean, that's a motivating cry for you. Is that what motivates you then in terms of winning? Is that what keeps you trying to be the best because you have such a desire to win? Yeah, I uh, I have a tremendous uh, work ethic when it comes to sports picking. And uh, I, uh, yeah, I just definitely having a passion for winning is something that's been interwoven with me since I was very small. I've always been very hyper competitive. I've always been told to hone it back a little bit, Zach. He's six years old. Why are you doing that? Um, <laughs> things like that. And uh, yeah, I, especially now, even when I'm going for a run and I'm at the final stretch, I just say in my head, let's go champ. Let's go champ. Let's go champ. Let's go champ. And uh, it's a very, uh, it's a perfect phrase to get you through a tough time. Well, Zach, I greatly appreciate, again, you being very patient as we work through some technical issues, but I thoroughly enjoyed our time and thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. No problem. I had a great time. One thing that we know in life is that you can gain confidence not only in yourself, but also in whatever you're doing just through simple experience. But there's also some people in this world that just have this strength about them which allows them to be confident regardless of their age or their experience, just like Zach, and they don't worry about fear because they have that little voice that's inside their head that they can always hear, and it's saying, let's go champ. Now that finishes episode 134 and more of our conversations can be found wherever you listen to your podcast and also watch some of our episodes by visiting our Rich Take on Sports YouTube channel. And remember, focus forward so we don't live in the past. All the best, everyone. You've been listening to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Visit richtakeonsports.com to subscribe and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. You can also follow us on Twitter at Rich Takes Sports. Thanks for listening. 